Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Virtual Success Show, where I'm joined today by my fantastic co-host, Matt Malouf. Hi Matt, how's it going? I'm well, Barbara. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm great, thanks. Excellent. It's sweltering here in Sydney today. It is. They're talking about, they're actually talking about power outages because of all the people using air conditioning. Right. And it's awful. <laughs> you know, in, in, the, in the 15 years that I've lived here, I don't think I remember a summer this hot, ever. Ah, it's brilliant. We'll all be down the beach later today. Yeah, all the international guests will be thinking, yeah, we really feel for you. It's terrible. <laughs> Very good. So listen, today's show, guys, where we have yet another Virtual Angel Hub uh, client and a good friend of mine. And someone who's uh, just very experienced in this whole outsourcing and systems and managing teams type business. Paul Higgins is the founder of Traxen Club. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Great to be here. And Matt. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. So listen, Paul, just to kick off, Traxen Club, let's talk about, um, and I, I said it the, before we started the show, that it's probably better for me to allow you to explain a bit about what you actually do. What is Traxen Club? Um and why should we all know about it? Tell us a bit about it. Sure. So uh, they say if you've got a, a niche, it's best to scratch it yourself. And really, the Traxan Club came about me not being able to find a solution. So I was ex-corporate, running my own business. I was, you know, lonely. I was missing the, the corporate team and the environment. And I was really struggling to sort of focus and be accountable and um, I was looking for different groups and I just couldn't find a group or a mastermind group that sort of suited my experience and exactly where I was. It was either a lot of people for young startups or, you know, really um, young businesses that hadn't had a corporate career um, or there were sort of people that were running very bricks and mortar businesses that sort of didn't suit me either. So in short, I created my own and it's a, a mastermind where people like my journey, uh, basically been in corporate, they're running a, a good business, but they're not quite where they promised their partner to be. So they're not probably working the hours they thought they were going to work, not getting the income they thought they were going to work. And what we do is in the club, we basically have the accountability, which is fantastic because it can get very lonely. And we also have uh, a five-step methodology that people go through to ultimately get to where they thought they were going to when they left corporate. Yeah, I think that's, you know, and leaving corporate is a big challenge, as you say, because I know when I was in my corporate career and I started my own business, one of the first things I said is like, there's no help desk. Like when things go wrong, there's no, in corporate, you used to just dial somebody and there was always somebody there to help or there's team meetings, etc. So very interesting concept that you've developed there. Now, so talk to me a little bit about, obviously, we're here to talk about outsourcing and virtual assistants. And look, you know, I don't know. I know that you were at Coca-Cola for a very long time, had a great career there. Were they using outsourcing at all? Or how did you sort of get into the, this um, knowledge about VAs and, and using offshoring for your business? Yeah, look, um, I suppose uh, Coca-Cola is, you know, the biggest franchise in the world. 
So they were brilliant at having, um, you know, a small team within Coca-Cola, but then they had really the bottlers. So the people that actually went and manufactured, distributed and sold it was like their outsourced team. So if you think of the heart of it, Coca-Cola is basically like many of us, which is, you know, they come up with the fantastic ideas and then they get other people to actually help them get that to their consumers. So, you know, being in that system for 18 years, you were just always used to um, outsourcing in some form. And, you know, for for me, um, within our business, we always had the best experts or the best suppliers in the world helping you solve problems. So it was very natural for me to do that. And being part of a global business, I always looked for talent around the world. So to be honest, you know, it was something that I think was innate in me, but because of my experience at Coca-Cola, it just became second nature to look for that. And as you said, when I left Coke, all of a sudden every hat was on myself. So I was working, you know, 14, 16 hour days. I was doing, you know, invoicing, just all this stuff that in a large corporate you never do. And all of a sudden I was doing it. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, bought myself a job. So how do I start to extract myself? And I basically did a work for Bain, which is one of the biggest consulting companies in the world. And I just got their best outsourcing person. Um, for the day. So I said, don't pay me for this particular part. I'll just sit with this expert and get him to tell me any, everything about outsourcing. And in short, that's when I came up with the Philippines. And that's when I came up with the first part, which was to set up my own uh, business in the Philippines. That's fantastic. So you have some amazing insights from how the corporates are getting this right. So because as you know, and you've experienced this with you know clients along the way as well, it's actually not, it's not as easy as people think to get it right. So it was great that you had that background. What the, the Bain consultant, what were the sort of biggest tips or strategies in getting it right that you learned from, from that particular day that you did? Look, certainly for a service-based industry, which is the one I was in, it was really going back to the basics. So the basics were that, um, you know, English. Um, so I was predominantly dealing in English. So you had to go uh, where there's really um, well-qualified English, and I think it's the second largest English-speaking country in the world or in the top three or something in the Philippines. So that was sort of like a, a simple one. The second was around customer service. So he said, you know, go where there's a brilliant customer service ethic, and the Philippines have certainly got that. So uh, that was sort of the second tick. And then the third one was the education system. You know, he described to me the way that the education system works and how that's um, producing, you know, all these fantastic young people that, um, you know, have got great English, um, are, are basically very service orientated, so they're really willing to help and very loyal, and also they've got the education behind them. So, you know, after looking at all different options, it just became quite evident that that's the place to go to. And because I'm all, you know, I used to buy businesses back at Coke and I used to go and do, you know, um, due diligence on companies. So I was very good at picking which are the right suppliers. So I suppose I found the right suppliers very quickly using my corporate experience. And the person from Bain made helped me find the right uh, country to, to work with. Wow, that's yeah, that's so interesting. And I want the listeners to sort of recap there on those three points that you made. So you need to, I mean, if you're doing predominantly English speaking, you need to find, because obviously you can go to Vietnam, you can go, there's lots of places in Asia that you can go to get uh, outsourced staff. But if it is in a service-based business where you have somebody 
who will need good English. I mean, the Philippines is a fabulous place to go. They are very loyal and the customer service, I mean, it's a huge uh, BPO and, and call center industry there. So they're very well trained in customer service, actually. Um, so those are, those are great tips to share. Um, Matt, do you have anything on that? Because just this corporate background and this experience of outsourcing, I wonder, have you got any specific questions on that? Well, uh, not not specific on that, but I was going to ask Paul. So, so Paul, in your in initial dealings then with the Philippines, what were some of the challenges you experienced? Look, I think there's uh, a lot of people out there that, you know, they've got a shop front that they do a great job in saying this is what we deliver. But when you actually peel back and ask some some good questions, you realise that there's just nothing behind the shop. It's a shop front. Um, so I think that was the hard thing is trying to weed out the people that could actually deliver what they said they were going to deliver versus the guys that were just really good at selling. So that was probably the first challenge I had, Matt. Okay. In which ways do you use uh, virtual staff in your business now, Paul? Yeah, look, um, so – I first started using VAs, uh, virtual assistants, and uh, what it's evolved to, and I'm sure we'll, we'll cover this, is now I've got project managers, and basically everything I do is is uh, offshore in some format. So whether, you know, the Philippines is sort of the core, but I also use people around the world to deliver uh, the product and the value to my clients. So there's myself here in Melbourne. I've got my business partner, Scott, who's also here. But other than that, everyone else is virtual or somewhere else in the world. So uh, I suppose the short answer is nearly everything I do other than create the content and run the mastermind is uh, is done through outsourcing. And, and Paul, I, I, I'd love to jump in here because I know, um, you know, the big question obviously is how do you manage all the tasks, all the projects, all the people. And I know you and I are very aligned and, and Matt will be as well on the use of project management tools. So talk, talk to me about how, like how crucial is it for you in managing all of this to have a good project management tool and what do you use and how do you use it? Yeah, look, I think uh, fundamentally there's sort of three things. There's people, process, and then platform or, or systems. And I think you've got to have a combination of those and, you know, we learned very quickly that running running teams, well, from my Coke experience, that software and a platform is critical to uh, to running when you're not face-to-face. -face. So, um, you know, we use a platform called Podio. Um, it's, it's fantastic, but we also have clients that use other platforms. But I think that platform piece is really critical. Then the people, so picking, recruiting the right people, and also training them. So I think people, um, some of our clients think that oh, I'll get a VA and it'll be easy, it'll just start. And I know, Bob, you probably come across it all the time, is that yep. you actually need to learn yourself how to use outsource teams, especially if you've never done it before. So I think that training and the development is uh, really key. And then having the right processes. So, you know, we have um, simple things like, um, we don't have job descriptions. We just have task lists that actually sit in someone's platform. So for us, it's Podio. And they're all the things that they have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And we've also got a list of all the repeating tasks. So if a task has to be repeated, it's actually automatically put in there so that they can't forget it. And we have automated workflows. So it makes it absolutely dead easy for someone to get something right. So you know, there's a lot of time and effort goes into that, but I think if you get that right uh, and get those three elements right, that's when you get success. 
Look, I just want to make a point here for the listeners listening to this, because the problem, and Paul, you know this and Matt, you know this, the pro- one of the problems I see happening a lot with clients that join Virtual Angel Hub is that, they, as you say, they think I'll get a VA and those things will just happen. But the three things that you mentioned, recruiting, training and building your processes and your, deciding on your platform and making it all work, none of those are a VA's job. Like you as a business owner have to squarely, you have to make sure that you're the one who has to drive that. And yes, it does take time, but it's the best investment that you'll ever make. But I see some people thinking that if I get a VA, then all of those things are just going to happen. And I've had some clients say to me, oh, I wanted the VA to show more initiative in creating my processes. And I think, well, you know, that's probably your job initially anyway, until you have somebody working with you a long time who then you can mentor into that, taking over that sort of a job for you. Um, so yeah, it's very much a the, um, your job as business owner to set those things up. And Paul, you're very good at doing that. Um, so I know you've moved to, how many sort of people would you have inter- interacting on the platform, do you think now, in terms of outsourced virtual, not staff, but even contractors and various people working with you? Oh, look, I don't know, but it's a rough number to be probably 50. Yeah. Now, how do you manage that? So how do you get from, you go from a couple of VAs or one VA, because a lot of people listening to this might just have one VA and they can't even fathom how you would manage without using up all your own time. How do you manage that many people without spending all day, every day, putting out fires? Yeah, and look, and you're right. So I'll give you a brief synopsis. You know, I started with my own VA. That was great. And sort of they were doing what we call the core four, which is email, calendar, task and sales support. So that freed up, you know, roughly about two hours of my time. So that was great. But then I was doing all the work with suppliers and I was trying to balance client work, sales, leadership and projects. And I've always, in my Coke days, I learned that if the person doing the project was also the person managing the project aspect of it, it just wasn't successful. But when you actually decoupled those, that's where you got um, real success. And, you know, for example, I launched Coke Zero um, here in Australia and, you know, it was a huge success because we learned that from a, fi- um, a prior campaign. So basically what I did was say, well, why don't I, um, with a career progression, elevate my VA to a project manager? And what they can do is actually manage all the suppliers and all I'll do is once a week have a whip with them and we use a software that when they're updating, I get updated as well. So instead of, you know, going into boring meetings all the time, we just basically get quick notifications to see what's happening. So I can sort of keep an eye over it, but it kept me, it got me focused on clients, sales, leadership, and idea creation and got me out of the actual managing of the projects. You know, are people on time? Are they, do they really know what is happening? Are they aligned to why it's happening? All of that stuff was actually then handled by a project manager. And that made a massive difference to my business. I actually got programs launched quicker, which, you know, effectively met more money in the bank, which means I can, you know, create more concepts and build the team larger. And just on that, so Obviously, I would imagine there were some challenges initially with that. So again, some people listening will think, oh, great, I'll just make my VA the project manager and empower them, tell them it's time to step up, because we hear this a lot, it's time to step up and take it on. But I would imagine that in the beginning of doing this, there would have been teething issues, there would have been mistakes, there would have been miscommunications as somebody steps into a new role like that, and it's quite a full-on role being a project manager. Talk to me about some of the challenges in the early days and how did you kind of how are you refining this to make sure it works for you so that you just have that one person reporting to you? 
Yeah, look, great question. So the first thing we did is we trialled it, right? So we basically said, here's three months. And and I always talk in um, – I did some coaching when I left, so I'm a qualified coach, and we always talk above the line and below the line. So above the line is the things that the organisation or, for me, the owner of the business control, and then below the line is what the project manager can could control and what I wanted to do is set them up for success and and we were sort of you know yes look they can just do project management like I used to do project management I sort of nearly treated it as like I just had another you know high paid executive working for me doing project management so I quickly defaulted to that position and then I realized that that's completely the wrong way to look at it I hadn't set them up for success so when they were missing deadlines or they weren't clear on what the priority projects were you know, the easy thing was to go back and say, well, it's the individual. But what I realized that I actually hadn't set them up and I hadn't given them the right framework. So um, would it help if I just quickly highlight that framework? Oh, definitely. Because be- I'm thinking, Matt, I know you're probably like I'm just salivating at this point because we did a whole show on this where, you know, and I know, Matt, you talk to clients a lot about this mindset thing. And the natural tendency is just to blame the VA or blame the person because, you know, they're not getting it right. But you have to set somebody up for success. So I'd love to know your framework for how, how, do, you, how do you do that with your team? Yeah, so I sort of touched on it briefly before, but I think, you know, most jobs, there's 70%, which is um, task-based, and then there's the 30%, which is project-based. So um, having a project manager increases that mix, but let's, you know, for simple, say the 70-30. So the 70% is that we actually listed all the key tasks that needed to be done and made sure that that was put in our platform, which was Podio. So therefore, all the project manager had to do each day was actually go to one button and it had all their tasks there. So they didn't have to try to check email or multiple different communication platforms. It just went to one place and that was very easy for them. The second is that we had automated workflows. So when they did a blog, we listed in the, the format itself every step that needed to be done, so where it needed to be posted, um, et cetera, and we automated tasks. So when you went from draft to published, it automatically tasked the project person to then go and publish that or then go and talk to the editor. It was all automated. So once again, someone didn't have to – think, oh, what do I do next? And that reduced a whole lot of missteps. So that made it so much easier for them to do it. So that was on the task side of it. And then the project side, we just came up with a really good template for projects. And the key things in there is the why, because, you know, often we just say, go and do that. And especially if someone's, you know, come from a VA, they're normally very good at doing quick tasks. But what we wanted to do is elevate to say, like, why is this so important for the business? So they were actually engaged into why the project was important. And that led to success. And that came through a really good template. And also measuring what success was. And then lastly, we had deliverables that sat under the projects. And what we made sure is there was only five key deliverables at any one time. So we'd have a whip every week. And if, you know, sometimes it'd sneak up to 11 and I would say, no, look, here's the five. And it was a card system in Podio where you can just simply prioritize. And I'd say, these are the top five priorities of deliverables as I see them. So they were very clear on what success was for that week. And then they'd go away and work. And we just have a simple to do, doing, and, or sorry, to do, uh, do and doing so that um, we sort of put the noise 
away because often there's just so much that a project manager is trying to do that they get confused. So that was what we've done, and we've actually created a um, a short online training course showing people exactly how to use that, and we found that that brought enormous success and took a bit of time to set it up, but it actually you know is, is delivered some great results. Wow! I just want to yeah, go on, Matt. Sorry. I just want to reiterate that last point that Paul just made, which I think is the most important. He said it took a little bit of time to set it up, but it made all the difference. And we talk about you've got to slow down in order to speed up all the time. And, and Bob, you, you, you back me up on this with many of the guests that we've had on the show have all um, um, shouted the same point that Paul just, just spoke of. And I think that's a really big take home for everybody on this show is that in order to move with speed, you have to invest the time into the right processes in order to set your people up to succeed. And, and, and what Paul just described, you know, that takes time, it takes diligence, it takes focus. But once it's set up and you train the people how to do that, you can move with immense speed. Well, I think actually on that as well, something Matt, you and I talk about a lot on this show, is that's the difference between um, – abdicating responsibility which is saying hey this is now your job you go do it and actually taking on the the responsibility of doing this and getting success and helping your team to get success is actually on you now obviously that means you have to have good people with good work ethic and decent skill sets but once you have that then it sort of squarely comes back to you to make sure that you're taking on that responsibility yourself as a business owner I mean it is your business after all um so, Paul, where are we at? And actually, we'll put in the show notes, by the way, a link to um, Paul, we'll, where, where people can access that little training program that you've just talked about. We'll, ha- we'll have all the links in the show notes, uh, guys, for things we've mentioned in the show. So where are you today and what's the future? What's the sort of future vis- vision for the business? Um, where are you taking it from today? Yeah, so the future vision for the business is to be the number one community for people that leave corporate running their own business. And what we've created is a, a community on Facebook. It's a, a closed group, making sure that we've got the right people in it. But it's called Build, Live, Give. And it's really about that, you know, you want to build a fantastic business. You want to live a lifestyle. And the reason you probably left corporate is to live the lifestyle you really want. And working ridiculous hours and doing everything yourself and not paying yourself is not helping that. So we want to help you live. And then finally is the give component. So I've got a particular um, inherited condition. So, you know, I want to make sure I'm generating income for research to, to help with that condition. But I know a lot of other people out there have left corporate because they actually want to leave a bigger legacy on the world and and give more. So you know, we're, we're giving the opportunity to do that. So we want to be that, that number one community. And to be honest, you know, we've just started that journey. But, um, you know, if any listeners out there sort of fit and resonate with some of the themes I've talked about today, we'd love to uh, have you come in and join that community. Yeah, I'm a member of it. It's fantastic. There's some good stuff going on in that community. Uh, Matt, any final, any final questions for Paul? Oh, uh, Paul, my only final question would just be if, if if you had to give two pieces of advice to somebody starting out with a VA today, what would those two two pieces of advice be? I think one, learn from the people that have already gone through the hard yards yourself. So whether it's, you know, both of you, Barb, or or other people, don't try to reinvent the wheel. 
don't don't try to learn it all yourself. So it took me six years to get to where I am now, but in a half an hour, you can watch a particular video and get most of that six years in a very condensed time. So I think that's one. And the other is really be careful on which partners you pick. There's a lot of companies out there like I said, are very good at the sales aspect, but they're not good at the operations and they don't do the people development. They don't have the processes. So really make sure you do your due diligence and pick the right people. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. And look, those Thank insights you, have been fabulous. You know, and again, Matt, Matt and I are hearing time and time again, we're getting people like yourself who've been very successful with this, but the message, the story is always slightly different, but the messaging and the processes and the steps to getting success are always actually the same. So I'm hoping the listeners are really picking this up, that we're echoing the same types of um, success notes each time. And for all the listeners out there as well, other shows that Matt and I do when we don't have guests on, we often do little workshops on all the things that we're talking about. So for example, we have a whole show on how to set a project up for success with your VA, especially if it's just you and one VA or you and a team of VAs. So be sure to go back through the um, the shows that we do and we do link to them in the transcriptions as well. So you can always have access to those. So Thank you, everyone, for another great week of virtual success. Uh, we'd love you guys to subscribe to the show on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. And any questions that you have or anything you want us to cover, please let us know because we're always looking for great content for the show. So until next time, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Paul. Thank thanks, Matt. And see you all again. See you all soon. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.